Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know what it is? Episode 63 for the love of the game. Let's cook. Grown-ups, in between, churning babies. Right about now, is your boy, is your hurt, back again. DJ Manny. Episode 63 for the love of the game back at it uh, trying to give my uh, my legion of fans what they want what they need what they crave what they deserve I'm in a really good mood today I just got out of a rumble class took it for the first time I guess I'm down the road of thought life but it was great uh, got a lot of energy right now I want to give a quick shout out and a mazal tov to my sister and brother-in-law on the birth of their second uh, child uh, happened today so I'm an, I'm an uncle again, second time over. It's beautiful. Can't wait to see the little guy tomorrow. What's not so great is New York sports. Uh, as for us New York sports fans, we deserve a lot better than this, what we have right now. I kid you not. I think this is the worst it's been in New York sports in my lifetime, and that's saying a lot. The New York football teams are both terrible, and they played in the toilet bowl this past Sunday uh, to see who won with the Jets coming out on top. As a Giants fan, this is probably rock bottom. Saquon Barkley, our prized running back, our star, was dreadful. He had one yard, I repeat, one yard on 13 carries. Uh, He doesn't look healthy at all. Can't block, can't do much of anything. There was no imagination in the run game either. Basically just running it up the middle, trying to do the same thing over and over again. Shit wasn't working. You'd think they'd try something else, but no. The Giants' defense... Uh, is also incredibly bad, downright dreadful. Yeah, Daniel Jones looks good in the passing game, but all the fumbles right now, the fumbles are a problem. Ball security is a little bit of an issue, but that's just a rookie quarterback going through growing pains. I, I don't think that should be a problem right now. He's, he looks really poised in the passing game. You know who doesn't look very poised is Pat Shermer because he's an idiot. Dave Gettleman is also an idiot, and they both need to go. As for the Jets, well, they're... Terrible, too. They only have two wins, and it's just bad all around for New York football. The Yankees have an exceedingly important offseason, but they have gone a decade, a decade, without winning the World Series. The Mets are the Mets and still have garbage ownership. The Rangers are young, but not great right now. The Islanders are awesome, but let's be clear, no one gives a shit about the Islanders, and that'll be the case until they return to Long Island full-time because this Brooklyn situation stinks and isn't working for them. Speaking of Brooklyn and teams no one in New York cares about, the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are off to a 4-6 and six start, and the Kyrie Irving stink seems to be a real thing. NBA nerds last year loved the way the Nets played, with the ball movement and, and the player movement and how uh, Coach Atkinson was coaching, and they just don't do it that way anymore. 
Kyrie is dominating the ball. And what do you know? It's not translating into wins when he's the number one option. Could have saw that one coming. Oh, and the Celtics are in the top of the East and are very happy to see that Kyrie Irving is gone. And then there's the biggest mess in New York. The New York Knicks, the worst team in the NBA, just an absolute embarrassment and an NBA catastrophe. They currently sit at 2-9 and nine right now going into tonight's game where they welcome back Kristaps Porzingis. You know my feelings on that trade. Not to go uh, down that road again right now, but it was atrocious in the moment. It looks even worse now. As for who they have on the team at right now, Marcus Morris is trash. Julius Randle is trash. Basically, every point guard on the roster is trash. Everything associated with them is trash. And the clown show starts up again where James Dolan basically tells Scott Perry and Steve Mills to address the media. And again, this is a team that doesn't really talk to the media all that much because Dolan hates the media because the media hates Dolan, and rightfully so. But they decide to hold a press conference uh, addressing the state of the team. Again, we are 10 games in. Why do this now? Anyway, they say the Knicks expected to be better this season. Really? Why is that? Did they look at the roster? The roster sucks. It's a terrible team. But anyway, Woj comes out with a report. And by the way, Woj is almost never wrong. I would say he's probably right at a 98% clip when it comes to NBA reporting. And he reports that Steve Mills is, quote, laying the groundwork to fire Coach David Fisdale. Like, what the hell does that mean, laying the groundwork? Do they realize that this makes Fizz a lame duck even while he's still coaching? Do they realize that handling business this way will and has already scared away and will continue to scare away any competent coaches and front office people? I'm not saying Fizdale's done a great job. He continues to play Marcus Morris at small forward when he's a power forward. He's not giving second-year player a 20-year-old Kevin Knox, who is a small forward, by the way, enough minutes or enough reps. His rotations are terrible. He's been bad, but look at the roster and tell me what he's supposed to do to generate wins. This roster stinks. Julius Randle sucks so bad, and I've been on this take for a while that he was a good stats, bad team guy before this year, and guess what? His stats this year suck, so he's a sucky stats, sucky team guy this year. Wonderful. People said he's 24, he's got talent, he's garbage. It's legit debatable who has worse blinders on when they play, him or Marcus Morris, because neither of them like to pass the ball. A wonderful recipe for uh, success, I should say failure. So let's talk Steve Mills for a second. How the hell is this guy still employed by the team? Have you seen his record when he's been charged of the front office? It's atrocious. And to be exact, up until as of November 11th of this year, he was 117 and 211. That's the record of the team when he's the general manager. He's a disaster. Everyone is a disaster. And there are reports that the Knicks will try to hire Sam Presti from Oklahoma City or Masai Ujiri from the Raptors to be their next general manager. Those are two of the most respected names in the game. Oh, yeah. And they're deciding that they, they're going to target Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reigning MVP, who's probably going to win back-to-back MVPs this year. They're going to target him in free agency with their cap space. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking to go out on a date with Charlize Theron and Kate Beckinsale. Uh, by sliding into their DMs because both activities are going to result in the same result. 
zero. I mean, I legit have a better chance to land a date with Kate Beckinsale by sliding into her DMs than the Knicks have to land Masai Ujiri or Sam Presti and to sign Giannis. This whole franchise sucks. James Dolan is an asshole for ruining this team. I can't stress this enough. Screw James Dolan. And honestly, if he got hit by a bus tomorrow, the world would be a better place. And yes, I, I know I mentioned it last, uh, last episode. I'm planning on delving deep into NBA stuff uh, in the next coming episode. Lots to talk about in the NBA at large. But I will say this, the injury bug has hit the NBA hard. I mean, Stephen Curry, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, Gordon Hayward are all due to miss extended time. Blake Griffin and Paul George are just getting back this week. That doesn't even include Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, who we won't see this year. Just a lot of injuries to a lot of really, really good players. Just, just brutal luck so far. But the league is so deep with talent that it's been a very entertaining start to the season anyway. And because basketball is the greatest sport in all the land, the next podcast will be a solely NBA podcast because that's what it deserves. Before we get into tonight's main topic with a very special recurring guest, uh, a very popular recurring guest, it's time for the ATH Pick 5 Week 11 in the NFL. Last week, I was super confident going into the week and then proceeded to go 2-3. and three. Awesome. I'm 24-26 and 26 on the year. Not good. Not very good to say the least. But here we go. Here's to changing fortunes again uh, in uh, week 11. Uh, number one, I've got the Dolphins plus six at home against the Bills. The Miami Dolphins have covered the last four weeks in a row. They're a home dog. The Bills are not nearly as impressive as their record states. Miami's been frisky. I just think six points is too many for a, uh, a home dog. Two, the Cardinals plus 10 and a half. I'm riding them again this week. They were one of my wins last week. The number is just too high. Kyler Murray is too dangerous for that. He's always due for like a backdoor cover. He's just dangerous and, and he can generate points. Mobile quarterbacks have given the 49ers issues this year as great as their defense has been. And Kyler Murray is one of the really, really promising mobile quarterbacks. I mean, that guy is just a freak athlete. I like the Cardinals plus 10 and a half, even on the road. Patriots minus three and a half against the Eagles. Honestly, I had a hard time finding five games I liked this week. And when in doubt, you bet the Patriots. Vikings, minus 10.5 against Denver. I predicted the Vikings' downfall last week, but I don't think the downfall is coming this week. They're 4-0 at home. It's not prime time. The Broncos are really bad. Minnesota's defense is good, especially at home. I like Minnesota here. And at 5, I got the Bears plus 6.5 against the Rams. This isn't an indication that I think the Bears turned the corner. I don't think they have. I was really wrong on the Bears this year. But I just don't trust the Rams' offense right now to basically win by a touchdown. It, it, the offensive line's just not good enough. Cooper Cup was held to no catches last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. The Bears' defense is just as good, if not better. I do think the, the Rams squeeze this one out at home, but I can easily see this being a field goal game. Take the Rams, I should say, take the Bears plus six and a half. So just to recap... Dolphins plus six, Cardinals plus ten and a half, Patriots minus three and a half, Vikings minus ten and a half, Bears plus six and a half. That's the ATH pick five, and we are about to get into tonight's uh, main topic. We're going to talk a little bit of college sports because a lot has gone on with a recurring guest, a very popular recurring guest, as I mentioned. I think you all know who it's going to be in just a moment. 
one. Okay, so in the at the end of the monologue, I teased what tonight's main topic was going to be. We uh, a lot is going on in the world of college sports, both football and basketball. A lot of weird stories, a lot of craziness. So I had to bring him on. Everybody's favorite college sports expert. He goes both ways when it comes to football and basketball. So he was perfect, perfect for tonight. You know who it is, Mr. Jordan Marks. Jordan, what's cracking? I mean, it's a great time for college sports. Um, you got the grind of the po- end of college football season, and you got the start of the non-conference. A bunch of strong teams out of conference playing each other, so good time to chat. So we're going to start with college football. The biggest game of the year happened last uh, last weekend. You had LSU and Alabama in uh, in Tuscaloosa, where LSU hadn't beaten Alabama, hadn't scored a touchdown in a couple of years. But they, uh, Ed Ogeron's team comes out on top. Joe Burrow, quarterback for LSU, looks unbelievable. Uh, tears up that Alabama defense. I mean, just it was a great showing. What were, what were your reactions and takeaways from that game? Yeah, I mean, every year they call it game of the century. Um, but I think this year it was definitely a little bit different. You saw it from the, uh, I don't know what the over-under was, but somewhere above 60. So just like an really an outstanding game and and the LSU Tigers just really outplayed Alabama for like the full length of the game. Joe Burrow and his like playmakers and Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and even like Thaddeus Moss, who people know as being the son of Randy, uh, just had like a ridiculous game and this game and not having like more than 25 points combined in like the past decade, obviously an exaggeration, but for that, for Joe Burrow to, bomb the Bama defense for 400 yards passing three touchdowns for 46 41 this was just such a change of pace for this rivalry um and then on the other side Alabama just not really playing like traditional Nick Saban football just costly mistakes on both special teams Tua with like a, a stupid interception seven penalties and he had that, allowing he also had that fumble in the red zone which is crazy. I mean, absolutely, yeah. And then LSU converting on 60% of their third down. It's just it's a great, great win for LSU and just like a huge moment for the state of Louisiana. The amount of NFL talent, high-end NFL talent on that field on Saturday was obscene. 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 It, it was basically an NFL game. It, it's crazy because, I mean, Joe Burrow is going to go in the first round. Tua is going to be yep, the number Tua. one pick. And I know people were kind of like crapping on Tua, but the guy played. Yeah, yeah, he had the weird fumble, but he played unbelievable to get them back in that game. I mean, I don't think Tua's stock is is any lower after after that game than it was before. Uh, I mean, the wide receivers on Alabama, they've got like four of them that are just incredible. And then the playmakers Absolutely. on, on um, LSU side of the ball. Uh, whether it was offense and on defense. And it just goes to show you that if you have NFL level quarterbacking, it doesn't matter how good the defense is in college because they're just going to shred these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And then, then, and then there's like offensive linemen and, and again, secondary players that you might not have even seen, but like Grant Delpit on LSU and uh, the, the, the guard on Alabama, I forgot his name, but like there is so, there was so much talent on the field and you're absolutely right. Just, Joe and Tua, who are going to probably go in the top five, or it just—it was a real treasure to watch that game. I don't think it's an exaggeration 
to say that 65 to 70 percent of the of the guys who are on that team or on that field are going to go within the first three and a half rounds of the NFL draft whenever they're slotted to um to be drafted whatever year that yeah, is. I mean, yeah, that's, first that's crazy. The whole the whole draft for sure. First three and a half, it, it it's, it's tough, but yeah, I mean, there's you're right. It's crazy. It was crazy. Absolutely nuts. Uh, the new rankings came out uh, as they do every week. So they slotted Georgia in at four, which was going to be the um, the most uh, hotly contested selection because LSU is number one, Ohio State two, Clemson three. Uh, they put Bama in at five, and I think Oregon at six. Right. Yep. And uh, obviously, this changes week to week. But but what I and it's probably going to change. By the time this uh, this podcast gets released on on Sun or you know whenever it gets released, but what what was your big takeaway from the uh, from the latest rankings? I mean, I, you know, as I said, it's probably going to be moot by the time most people listen to this because you know the games of this weekend will go by. But I think the the, the committee made a statement regarding the SEC, and, and there's there's a bit of a bias. Uh, they think that the overall balance of the SEC is a bit stronger because. I don't really believe that Georgia had the schedule strength uh, and or if you're going to go by the eye test um, to seat out ducks of Oregon. Um, with that being said, again, I, I think it's kind of moot, but Oregon lost their week one game in a game that they dominated on neutral uh, and just lost in the fourth quarter on a last second touchdown to, again, a top 15 team that in Auburn that if this weekend they beat Georgia, Oregon looks even stronger. So I think Oregon probably should have been seated at, at, at the four spot. If you're not going to put Alabama there, because again, I don't think Alabama did that much to really falter, but I guess they needed to put them just outside, but uh, just having Georgia there, I, I just don't think they're one of the four best teams in the country right now. It, to me, it, it, it had to be like, I understand what you said, and I would have personally, and again, I'm not the college sports guy, but from what I understand, I would have put Alabama at four, and I know they haven't like had like a signature win, but I guess the I'm I'm always like an eye test person, and if you put Oregon and Alabama on a neutral field, Alabama would be favored by close to a touchdown. I mean that has to matter for something, no? And I hate to like argue on behalf but of Nick Saban. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I just, I don't know if that has to matter. I, I, I don't think it, it's about eye tests. I think it's about the resume that you played, and and I think Oregon's played a stronger overall schedule. That, that's, uh, I, and I, and I do think that this will all change because if Oregon gets that opportunity to play Utah, which is you know a top eight team, I think they're right. seventh in the eighth, eighth in the country, seventh in the country right now. Uh, that that'll make a big difference and, and Alabama won't get that opportunity again. Right. And uh, one of the uh, major changes was at the top uh, LSU and Ohio state flip flopped. Uh, Ohio state has been getting a lot of buzz that they're the best team in the country, which is, you know, get shocking considering what you just said about the sec bias. Are you buying OSU even as uh, a self-proclaimed Michigan man? Yeah. I mean, hate this question because you're making me talk speak loudly about OSU. But yeah, I mean, Justin Fields is having an incredible season. He's 27 to one touchdown to pick ratio. I mean, he's got 10 touchdowns rushing JK Dobbins rushed over 1200 yards. Chris Olave has been pretty freaking sick. Um, I mean, Chase Young, uh, 
who we'll probably get to in the weird part of this podcast. Uh, yeah, he's he's, has, on, he's on the a, He's a he's on a he's a Heisman candidate right now. I mean, he's they have one of the best defensive lines in the country. Their secondary is filled with NFL players. I, yeah, I do think, and I think that uh, they're going to be favored um, in all the rest of their games in the season, inclusive of at Michigan, um, and then. They play, they play Penn State at home in two weeks that I think they'll probably be favored by over a touchdown. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to buy them right now. Neutral field, yeah. neutral field who you like more, uh, Ohio State or LSU? On a neutral field, I, 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 I think I have to like LSU just, just based on uh, Joe Burrow is, has been just – just ridiculous and this the skill talent associated with those wide receivers because it goes beyond Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase I mean and like Thaddeus Moss was was absurd and they're running back really good I, I think it I think I'll take LSU in that game but but again by under a touchdown maybe even a field goal so um top four by the by the end of what's when it's all said and done I'm sorry we're just like my brain just short-circuited. When it's all said and done, uh, we don't think George is going to be in the four spot. Who do you think is going to be in the four spot? No, I, yeah, I think it'd be difficult for George to be in the four spot. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, they're going to be able to play their way in, but they have a difficult game this week, um, and then they'd have to play the SEC champion uh, or on the other side in LSU or Alabama. So um, I think LSU, uh, based on schedule, mm-hmm. and then, again, I think Clemson, no doubt about it. I mean, Clemson plays the softest schedule in the country, uh, without a doubt. And just because they're going to win all their games, so Clemson will certainly be there. And, I mean, Ohio State, sure. I I mean, it's hard not. They're going to be favored in all these games. I think they'll beat Penn State at home, and I think they'll be favored at Michigan. So probably Ohio State. And then as much as I talk up Oregon, Utah is going to definitely be in the Pac-12 championship, and Utah is a really good football team. I, I, I know I mentioned them as one of the teams that people aren't talking about in, in our last pod in, in the preseason, um, but I, I think they're going to they're going to feel finish the season with only one loss by a touchdown to to USC in early October, and I just think they have the best defensive line in the country. They I have. Two knows two defensive tackles are going to go to the NFL. A really highly rated edge rusher. I think Zach Moss is one of the best running backs in the country. Best running back ever to play at Utah. Uh, Tyler Huntley is a great senior quarterback, and uh, I just think again that defense is really going to put the pressure on Justin Herbert and, and those uh, playmakers at Oregon if that if that game does come to fruition. So I think Utah will be that fourth team in for the first Pac-12 team ever in the playoff. Interesting. But didn't didn't Washington make a make a playoff? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Washington. You know what? Washington did make the playoff. You're right. You're right. Sorry about that. Um, I I don't know. I somehow think Alabama gets in. I I just I can't imagine the committee leaving them out. I, I just I don't know. Maybe maybe it is that SEC bias, but I I just can't see Alabama sitting at home, uh, during the uh, the college football playoff. Yeah, it's it's that that game against Auburn. It. it it's going to be huge and it's not just going to be huge from a win loss standpoint. It's going to be how much do, do they, are they able to win by? Yeah. Uh, the, um, the point differential is going to be important for them. Okay. So we mentioned it uh, just a moment ago, uh, Chase Young, um, one of the best players in college football, going to be a top three NFL pick most likely in this coming draft, uh, the defensive end for Ohio state. 
just enlighten everybody on the situation. Uh, maybe ruled ineligible, maybe not. What What's the deal? Yeah, I mean, before before we get into to Chase Young, I mean, it, it's it's definitely important to talk about what happened between our last podcasts. Uh, this paper play pa- act that uh, passed in California, it, it's pretty important. Um, yeah. But in terms of what it does for the actual rules, um, nothing because it's it's the NCAA and the universities and the TV deals like that. They hold so much of the cards. There's so much revenue just flushing through. Uh, college athletics that just because the state of California makes it makes it possible for the players to get paid it it's not until like the NCAA actually passes it so anyway with that being said it's definitely a tiny step in the right direction but in terms of uh, the the situation on Chase Young I mean it's 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 sucky it's good for Michigan whatever but it's sucky because again he's a stellar stellar player and he, his girlfriend was compensated to go to a playoff game, a very little amount of money for a flight a few years ago. Again, it's, it's sucky, but he's suffering just a small suspension, which against teams that Ohio State would probably route with you or me playing their edge rusher. So uh, regardless, Well, didn't it, they it win sucks, by like 60 points they, against uh, Maryland this past right. weekend? They won by yeah, they won by like sixty five, and they and they somehow dropped in the rankings. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it, unfortunately, that's a situation. I heard that it was like he took a small loan and then had a summer job and paid it back. Like, I I just the NCAA. I mean, we've talked about it at length that they're just they just stink, right? I, I they just can't get out of their own way. Um, now, obviously, the big question is, how do you believe the players should be compensated? What what do you think the comp uh, structure should be? Because for me, I I have, uh, I guess, uh, maybe a unique take. I don't know, but I'm, I'm curious to know what, what your thoughts are first. I mean, before we talk about any of this, I'm obviously in support of paying the players. I, I think an insurance policy, at the very least, for for football players and for basketball players uh, across the board um, is, is of the utmost importance. Um, just the amount of uh, sacrifice that they put on them, on their bodies for this and just to flush revenue through these university systems um, would be insurmountably more significant on their lives uh, than small tuition allotments. Uh, and then beyond that, I mean, I don't know. I, I got definitely a stipend for their families. Like some of these families are living in utter poverty. So for those, these players to just get tuition when the, when the schools and the conferences are making hundreds of millions of dollars, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, my only, my only issue with, with that is from what it sounds like the the NCAA is, or the, there's going to be a governing body, right? That is going to preside over this, right? And once you put governing bodies in, in play, you know, you have issues of like title nine and, and all these other types of issues. And obviously the revenue generated by football and basketball completely dwarfs, you know, swimming and fencing and all this other stuff, field hockey. Right. And, sure. But you know, title nine rules are title nine rules. So it's going to have to, 
they're going to argue for equality. And, and I understand that argument. Not I don't necessarily agree with it. So I guess here's my thing, right? If you're a college athlete, I believe that you should be used like the Olympic, uh, the Olympic athlete model. You have an agent. You're allowed to have an agent. You can get endorsement deals um, from anywhere, right? It can be local car dealerships. It could be local businesses. You can do commercials, whatever you can earn. And the top, the top, uh, prospects are still going to get theirs. They can negotiate their own, their own deals. And this way, you know, there, you put all these payments that are being done everywhere. You just put it on the table and, and, and it's like out in front and, and, and it's legal. I, I just, with a governing body, it's going to be difficult because somebody's going to scream unfairness and they're going to have a leg to stand on. So have each individual athlete be like a sole, um, sole entity, um, you know, like a 1099 employee, have them, uh, have them negotiate their own deals and see what they can generate on the open market. Absolutely. I mean, it, 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 that, that is definitely a possibility. And I think that might come true eventually, but that would diminish every single team or school that's not in a power five conference that doesn't get the TV deals. Yeah, but they're already at a disadvantage as it is. Is it going to be that absolutely. much worse? No, no, no. I agree. But what happens to John ja Morant? You know, what happens to uh, Josh Allen? Damian Lillard? You know, uh, Damian, yeah, these type of players. What happened? I mean, I guess they still happen, right? Because they were no unknown commodities. Yeah, and, and, and okay, Damian Lillard is sophomore year in school at Weber State. We'll, we'll advertise for, like, the local car wash or something and get paid to do a spot. He'll advertise for, you know, the local, you know, burger place, whatever it is. I mean, Absolutely. he's not, yeah, not going to get the national spots. He's not going to get, like, a Coca-Cola right. sponsorship. But who knows? I mean, there's going to be exceptions to the rule everywhere. I just... You know, having the NCAA and their ineptitude in charge of this, especially if it's, you know, compensation for these kids, I just, I don't trust them to do the right thing. No, they, they, they make, I mean, I mean, football hasn't been nearly as bad as basketball. Basketball, it's just, they're ripping these kids' lives and the kids are only there for one year, whereas football, you know, they're kind of stuck there and they get to show their worth. It's, well, that's an excellent transition because we have from one top prospect uh, having NCAA and eligibility troubles to another one in college basketball. Uh, forward center James Wiseman for Memphis um, was ruled ineligible. He then uh, filed a lawsuit, was able to play two games. Now he retracted the lawsuit and he's ineligible. Jay Billis, I saw something. I didn't really read it. Um, says that he'll may be able to play again this season. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, this is another reason to pay these kids. But um, as I said before, like, it's a dumb rule. Uh, but this is a, I mean, this is a clear dumb rule that just wasn't followed. I mean, and this is the like one of the most obvious situations. If, if you're going on a road that has a 30 mile hour speed limit and you you can't just drive 50 miles an hour. You know, this is uh, James, Mo James Wiseman's mother was given $11,500 by Penny um, two years ago to play for his A to essentially cover the costs of moving to Memphis to play for his AAU team. And Penny was a known booster at the time. Uh, this is without a doubt an NCAA violation. So like, am I, 
obviously we can't keep going on and on about how the rules are stupid, but I mean, this is clearly a rules violation. So um, like a week ago and Wiseman and Memphis, when this happened and they're, they're essentially like F you to the NCAA, we're going to play him. Uh, they just like uh, went back on that decision today. Um, but like that F you decision was really just, more of like a historical note on what basketball means to the city of Memphis, because I mean, what they, what could have happened was if he's kept playing, they would have just had to vacate a bunch of wins. If you know, a list of allegations, right. If a list, but I don't think anyone in Memphis really cares about that. They, they kind of want to be back to where they were in the glory days of Derek Rose with again, a bunch of wins that were vacated when coach Cal was there. But again, it seems like they felt the pressure. Um, I think the whole sport is going to suffer because of this. It's kids, a superstar and you know, it sucks for however, however long this takes. What I don't understand is, and first of all, it's important to note that the booster penny uh, is Anthony penny Hardaway. Who's now the coach at the university of Memphis. I didn't (laughs) even mention that. (laughs) Which is just crazy. That's the whole point. So essentially the coach took the job after he paid for moving costs for the kid to play for his AAU team to then funnel him to the University of Memphis. And this is straight out of blue chips. And when this happened in 2017, it's not it's like the writing was all kind of on the wall for Penny to be the coach. This is when Tubby is having one of the most losing seasons in Memphis history. Both Diedrich Lawson and his brother are transferring from Memphis. Uh, Alex Lomax, who's another five-star in Memphis, was just about to be committed. Like the writing was really on the wall for Penny to be there. So it this is kind of like a million percent a rules violation, but it, it just sucks that it's it's you know twelve grand that is going to put this kid out for who knows how long and, and ruin the sport. So how does he get back to being eligible? Like I don't know, I don't see a path here. Well, I mean, what do uh, they do? I mean, they could, they could, they could do this restitution fine, essentially like a fine where uh, the university has to give some charitable donation uh, to make up for the costs associated with that, and then they could suspend them for a couple weeks. They would do that in a um, heartbeat. Any team would do yeah, that yeah. in a heartbeat. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, or it could be like in a Silvio D'Souza or an Enes Cantor situation where he's just out for the whole year, which would be absolutely horrible. If it was a restitution fine and a suspension, that's not even a slap on the wrist. Right. Of course, they have so much money. I mean, that's what happened. To, I mean, Fab Mello had that situation back uh, at Syracuse when he missed a couple of weeks for that. But again, this it, it, who knows with the NCAA? I mean, this is an obvious rules violation. And then they kind of did that whole FU thing for two games. So. And then they dropped the lawsuit, whatever. It just just a crazy situation. This is a top fifteen team in the country. Um, so moving on in terms of college basketball, it, it, a wild, wild opening like week and a half um, of college basketball. You were at the opening night um, tip off in uh, in Madison Square Garden with top four teams when you had Kentucky beating Michigan State and then Duke beating Kansas, the top four teams playing. That night, and then Michigan State—I uh, should say Kentucky—beats Michigan State, and then loses to Evansville. I mean, the next game, like, what's that about? 
Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted you to say Everton. like we. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was due for it. It's in the notes, but I corrected myself. <laughs> no, just a really eventful opening week. I mean, there were a ton of big upsets. Uh, the Evansville over Kentucky was definitely the biggest, but you know, Winthrop beat St. Mary's, who was a top 20 team that just had beaten Wisconsin. Um, Washington beat Baylor. Baylor has been top 10 team. I mean, you've seen a ton of awesome play from freshmen. I mean, Cole Anthony, Tyrese Maxey, Wiseman was great. Uh, Cassius Stanley on Duke's been great. Upperclassmen, I mean, Devon Dotson returning from Kansas has been awesome. Anthony Mathis from Oregon, a senior guard, has been great. Um, and then Virginia, Virginia's defense at holding Syracuse to 34 points in the Carrier Dome. And then again, James Madison, they held him to 34. I mean, Virginia's defense has been locked down as ever, losing three NBA picks, which is just just crazy. But That Virginia-Syracuse uh, yeah. Virginia game brought college basketball back five years. They were making so many strides, speeding up the game, you know, trying to generate a little bit of offense. And that rock fight just, like, brought it back five years. I mean, just just a, a, an atrocious display of basketball. Atrocious. I mean, Tony Bennett, Hall of Famer. I, he <laughs> is, though, but he is. It's not a joke. I mean, if, if Jim Beheim's in with with one national championship and, and a tremendous winning percentage, you know, Tony Bennett's on that track. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Cole Anthony for the North Carolina Tar Heels, son of Greg Anthony, played for the New York Knicks. How excited should I be about the prospect of him being a Nick and then him not being a Nick? Because I got to say for a college season that doesn't have the dominant personalities like last year did with Zion and RJ and, and that whole thing is Cole Anthony. The reason why I should be paying attention to somebody who loves the NBA should be paying attention to college basketball this year. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of good freshmen. There's a lot of good one and dines. I mean, I, I, I think Cole and Anthony is probably in the, the pole position to be Naismith player of the year. There's, there's no doubt about it. The, the amount of possessions he's going to consume at North Carolina, just, just both how he can get in the lane and then also how he can shoot from outside. I, I think he's range. just, Oof. yeah, I think, I think he's definitely a special one to watch and, has probably been the most outstanding player thus far in the first opening week of the season. And uh, the Duke kids. Um, what, what do we think about the Duke kids in, in comparison to the Kentucky kids? Um, yeah, I mean, when you, when you talk about the Duke kids, you talk about Matt Hurt, who's, you know, he's in the, uh, the classic Duke uh, oh, so white hate, shooter so from the outside. So hateable for anybody who hates so, Duke. Matt Hurt. So hateable. Yeah, I mean, you could just take a look at him. Exactly. Um, but then Cash, Cassius Stanley has been the more impressive freshman for me. I mean, he has been everything for them, really, for, from from this point on. Uh, and then, yeah, Wendell Moore inside has been has been really good. Um, but yeah, the Duke Duke looks really impressive for sure. And and I don't know, like losing the big three and in, in Zion, RJ, and Cam. I don't know how many people saw them uh, being this good at the start of the season. They've been impressive. They've been impressive. That win against Kansas was an impressive win, even if it was an ugly, ugly win. Um, So uh, five under-the-radar teams to watch out for this college season because obviously the the big guys are, you know, the the classic names that everybody's heard of. Oh, by the way, before we get into that, just a quick shout-out to uh, Michigan State point guard uh, Cassius Winston. 
Um, his uh, brother was uh, tragically killed in an accident, in a train accident. And he played like the next night, had a great game. I mean, I don't know how he did it. I- I'd probably be a mess. Um, but shout out to him, and, and we're wishing his family the best. Uh, what, a, what a gritty, unbelievable performance that was. But yeah, anyway, so besides for the, the Blue Bloods, as they say, a couple of under-the-radar teams to watch out for this year. Yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Cassius, yeah, that, that was a big story. And uh, tonight, actually, he's playing in – right now, actually, in Newark. Uh, they're playing the top 15 team in Seen Hall. But um, anyway uh, – I, I don't know if Louisville counts as under the radar, but since they've been missing for a few years because of their own NCAA violations, uh, uh, Louisville is going to have a good season. Jordan Norwa is, is going to be uh, always on the All-American watch list. He's a six foot seven, two hundred twenty-five pound junior. I mean, he is one of the five best players in college basketball right now, and he has a stud six foot seven freshman Samuel Williamson, who's a five star. Um, then they have a monster big in Stephen Enoch. So I think Louisville is going to be back to prominence this year. Um, oh, by the I, way, shout I, out Rick Patino. Rick Patino's back coaching the Greek, <laughs> Greek national team. He, he can't stay away long enough, Rick Patino. I didn't even know that. That's funny. Um, uh, Marquette, uh, we, we, you saw them last year. Uh, if, you, if you remember the game, the, the John Morant, uh, Murray State against Marquette game in the tournament. Marcus oh, yes. Howard, Marcus Howard is back, and I mean, and he is shooting more than ever. I think he's probably going to be the the leading scorer in, in the nation. Um, but again, he has a bunch of shooters flanked around him uh, in Sakar Neem and Kobe McEwen. So Marquette is definitely going to be a tough out in the Big East. I like. I was going like to say what's his name. I like Marcus Howard a lot. Just like jack yeah. him up. Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, a lot of people don't like him because he shoots so much, but he doesn't. He doesn't really care. He's going to average thirty-five points a game. It's going to be ridiculous. Uh, I was going to bring up Seton Hall. Miles um, Powell is going to be a top-ten pick next year, but he is injured right now. So let's keep an eye on Seton. If Seton Hall somehow upsets Michigan State in Newark tonight, that would be huge for their prospects because I do think he'll be back, but. Um, let's bring up Washington while we're talking about uh, NBA picks because Washington who just beat Baylor, who's a top 15 team, um, has J.D. McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart, who are um, just a couple six nine guys that also projected to go in the first round of the draft. They get Kentucky transfer Quade Green, who gets transfer eligibility right away, who's going to run the point for them. So Washington should be a really good watch for some late night pack basketball. So you may, so you mentioned uh, I saw highlights of the game against um, against Baylor. That was that was no um, no uh, Mona Lisa of a, of a basketball game. I mean, oof, that was pretty. It's early, early season play. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't see the um uh the the lanky kid. Remind me of the names again. Um, you just mentioned uh, them. Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniel's. Yeah, pretty Mc, lanky. McDaniel's yeah. looks like a like an NBA player. Isaiah Stewart, I'm not so sure about, but uh, yeah, I mean. No, no, no. McDaniel's is the lanky one. He's six yeah. nine, two hundred. Right. That he he looks like the NBA player. He, oh, he's, really? He's got he's got he's got a handle. He's got, you know, he's he's got uh, moves off the bounce. I, I just think, uh, you know, the other kid um, is is the post guy, right? 
Yeah, six nine two fifty. Yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, I, I he just didn't look very fluid to me. I don't. Maybe it's just one game, and, I, and I'm not a, a huge expert of college basketball. But I don't. know. He just looked a little boxy and 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 stiff to me. You're you're you are the uh, scout, so I leave it with you. <laughs> Listen, I've had many many misses. Um, I'm I'm still <laughs> waiting for Malik Monk to to break out. So. <laughs> so I, uh, my track record is, uh, is, is hit or miss sometimes. But regardless, college basketball still brings us many surprises. I mean, I hear John Morant's playing really well in the NBA, so that's always good for college basketball. John Morant is a delight. He is an absolute delight. Um, he is so, so good. And, and respect the mid-major. Put the respect on their names. Love it. You guys, Absolutely. It's better that way. Jordan, this was awesome. Getting a little late over here. Uh, always good to talk to you. We're going to have to do this sometime again soon with uh, college football season wrapping up. Bring in the noise as always. Thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. All right. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. Peace. Thanks again to uh, my college b- basketball and college football expert, Mr. Jordan Marks, coming on again. Always bringing that noise, bringing that heat. That's episode 63 for the love of the game. Take us out, Wheezy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.